Pop 41, comic book artist and creator, Jamal Yassim Eigel. set me free (laughs) welcome to pop your pop culture podcast i'm ken mills your host here today and today i'm joined by one of my favorite comic book artists it's a gentleman that i've admired for quite a long time for both his work and not only that but his social media presence and also the fact that he's lost a ton of weight and is a bit of a fitness guy (laughs) welcome to the show jamal yasim eigel hey how's it going ken Welcome to Pop. Glad to have you here. I became aware of you a few years ago and just love your artwork. Thank you. Thank you very much. And you can find Jamal Eigel at jamaleigel.com, which has all the links to his Twitter account, Facebook, and Instagram. Check him out on those social medias. For a lot of people that are listening to this, they may not necessarily be comic book fans, so we're going to talk to the muggles, as the phrase would be. Right. You're you're a penciler. I'm a primarily a penciler, but um, I do a little bit of everything. So I pencil, I ink, I do color, I do production. I've you know I've I've been in the business for almost thirty years. So you know after so long, you know you you end up having to learn almost every job. The only thing I don't do well is letter. I haven't quite you know sat down and figured that part out yet. Right. Now, I'm not saying this just to put a smile on your face, but you don't look much older than 30, so it's hard to believe that you have a career going that far back. Yeah. <laughs> what all companies have you worked for as far as comic book companies? I've worked, whew, I think it's more of a question at this point, who I, who I haven't I worked for? Mm-hmm. I spent most of my career working at DC Comics. Originally just freelancing, and then I was on contract for seven years. Uh, I've worked for Marvel. I've worked for Dark Horse, Image. I've done stuff for Chaos, for Lion Forge, for I'm getting ready to do something for Aftershock. Um, you know, I, I've, like I said, you know, it's, it's been a long, very fruitful career. So I've had a lot of opportunities come my way. Mm-hmm. And you've become part of pop culture, right? Like, for example, when somebody sees Supergirl, they're actually seeing parts of what your work was on that show. As a matter of fact, you've been name-checked in the show, right? Yeah, that that that's that was a little trippy. <laughs> you want to set that up and explain what happened? Okay, so when so for those in the audience who don't know, uh, back in two thousand. I became the artist on Supergirl with Sterling Gates, who was the writer at the time. And we worked on the book for two years and we had a fairly successful run. And what ended up happening was uh, Greg Berlanti, Mark Guggenheim, Alan Heinberg and Jeff Johns used our Supergirl run as the basis for the Supergirl TV show. So a lot of the elements from the first and second seasons take pieces of what Sterling and I did while we were working on the series. And we get name checked in the pilot episode. We are, there's a, a when uh, Kara is trying on her costume for the first time, they get a report over the 
shortwave radio, the the police band uh, <laughs> reporting a fire at the corner of Gates and Eigel. <laughs> and you didn't even know that you were on fire. No, I did not know I was on fire. It actually was really funny because a, a friend of mine had sent me a copy of the pilot before it hit the air. And I had to like go back and was like, what? What did I just hear? What? And I immediately emailed Sterling. It was just like, I can't tell you how it, because he hadn't seen it yet. It's like, I can't tell you how I got a copy of it. But <laughs> they name checked us in the episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, since we're talking about Supergirl, before we get into everything, let's play a song what? by XTC called You're Really Super Supergirl. I can hold you
I just love your artwork and I love what you're currently doing now. There's a couple different books I want to talk to you about that you're doing mm. currently right now. Like, for example, I know that for a lot of people, they might know about the term independent film, right? Right. But they may not understand what an independent comic or graphic novel is because, right. like I said, not everybody that's listening to this is a big comic book fan, but we're mm. hopefully going to maybe turn some people on to what you do. And you are working for two different comic book companies that are, we're going to call them independent in a sense, because they're not the big two or three or four, right? Right. Because there's Marvel and there's DC, mm. and then there's these other publishers that are trying to get their foot in the market. Mm -hmm. Now, there's also this independent comic thing that you do personally, and it's one of my favorite characters that came out in the last 10 years or so, Molly Danger. And this is something that you actually own and created yourself, right? Right. Absolutely. Now, tell us about Molly Danger. What is the, what's the pitch? Like, if you're doing the pitch, what's the pitch to Molly Danger? The pitch to Molly Danger is she's a 10-year-old superhero who's been 10 years old for two decades. So, so she's uh, kept growing up. She is still intellectually. She is well, intellectually. She has she has aged intellectually, but emotionally mm -hmm. and psychologically, she's still ten years mentally ten years old. But she's a ten year old with twenty years of combat experience. Right. So you basically just described everyone I went to school with, pretty much, and everyone I went to school <laughs> with too. We all get older. We don't necessarily get more mature. Exactly. So it's the whole concept behind Molly Danger is, like I said, she's a 10 year old superhero who's been 10 years old for two decades. They tell her she's an alien from another planet. She doesn't age. She's got superhuman powers. She is the most popular superhero in the world, but she's also a very lonely little girl. She doesn't have a secret identity and she doesn't have any friends her age. And she spent the last 20 years seeing people grow old and die around her. Mm -hmm. So she's tr longing for a life outside of being a superhero, outside of being Molly Danger, but she doesn't know anything else. So that's sort of where the story picks up. You talk about the emotional part about her wanting to have some sort of relationship, even friends. Right. Anyone that she might have a crush on when... How, how old is she again? She's 10. Te I mean, technically... She's 30, but she still thinks and acts like a 10-year-old girl. So if she met someone that was like a year older than her 20 years later, he's 20 years older, she's right. still... She's still 10. Yeah. There's, you know, there's, it's that... One of the things that I am fascinated by as a writer is there's... It's... The cult of personality that we build around celebrities, that's one part. The, the mm -hmm. other part is sort of this weight that we put on child actors and musicians and you know how we sort of force them to, to grow up. And I wanted to do a story where you have this character who is this beloved superhero and the entire infrastructure of the city that she protects is built around Molly Danger tourism. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, the town is called Coopersville. Right. So there are Molly Danger theme rides and Molly Danger parks and all this stuff. Exactly. 
she she lives and works out of the Molly Danger Museum, mm-hmm. and which is also the headquarters for the team that she works with, which is called Dangerous Action Response Team. So wait, you know, the she's... nerd in me says that that spells something. Dart. Yes. Yes. Just like shield, <laughs> shield means something. This is dart, danger, action, response team. <laughs> so yeah, so the so that was you know that's the 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 idea in a nutshell, and it's you know I'm exploring this world. I'm trying to explore this world that I've created around her, and in both within the 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 book itself. And then everything else that surrounds the character, and it's very personal to me. And you were you were starting to ask about what it means to be an independent creator, and it's exactly that. You know, it, even in terms of say, it's it's very similar to independent film, mm-hmm. where in a lot of cases, since I didn't self I didn't self publish Molly Danger. But I sought out a distributor for Molly Danger, which was Action Lab Entertainment. So I own the rights to Molly Danger, and I I own everything involved with Molly Danger. So they can't go and make a Molly Danger spinoff without my permission, right? And although we have a an agreement where they can represent me to other media, but I have the first right of refusal for anything that is sent my way. So if there's a really bad TV show made two years from now about Molly Danger, and I think it really stinks, I can say, Yamal, what's the deal? The buck stops here, pal, right? Exactly. It, it is all my fault. <laughs> In that case, it would definitely be my fault because I had to say yes to these things. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to encourage anyone that's not picked up a comic book in a very long time to go to a comic book store or search out online, like, for example, you can get the stuff on Kindle or Comixology. Yes. Or you can just buy the uh, graphic novels as well on Amazon. So It's on Amazon. I think it's still on BarnesandNoble.com and Walmart. It's, it's available, but you can definitely get it from Amazon. Mm-hmm. And I also think that it's great to see a female hero that is also a young girl because there's so many times that we hear the word girl like don't don't call someone a girl don't do this don't do that right. but molly is not ashamed of being a girl molly is not ashamed of being what she is and she has what would you say her powers are how what would you put her at what level well the way that i describe her her power it's called molecular density control mm-hmm. so Basically, she becomes superhumanly strong and completely invulnerable with everything that goes along with that. So she is, she can't fly. So I sort of cheat by tossing her around. Things. Yeah, she can leap and get thrown and things right, like that. Yeah, right. it, I, you, it, it, it creates a very creative situations, but she is you know, for all intents and purposes, practically invulnerable and possibly immortal because she doesn't age normally. And nobody really knows what limits there are to her as of yet. No, no, there may be no upper limit. Right, but she is being manipulated by DART, the Danger Action Response Team, and she has a bit of relationship with a young kid named Brian Hammond, correct? That's right. That's and right. I don't want to ruin anything. 
I want you to check this out. Now, one of the things that I love about Molly Danger is that you have a daughter. What's her name? Her name is Catherine. And Catherine has been an influence on your writing, correct? Oh, absolutely. Catherine was the impetus for creating Molly. I actually created Molly uh, right around the time that Katie was born. And now Katie is 10 going on 11. So I have even more of a sort of upfront view of, you know, what a, a girl her age thinks about and, you know, relates to. And Katie, uh, Molly very much, you know, either by osmosis or intent looks a lot like Molly. Mm-hmm. And I know that when you were starting to write this, one of the reasons you do write this is because when she was getting old enough to read, you wanted her to be able to have a story that was positive, grounded, and had a strong female hero. Oh, absolutely. I, I, and a lot of that really came from my time working on Supergirl. We, we loop back to the mm-hmm. whole Supergirl thing. Was, you know, the two years that I was working on Supergirl, and even since then, you know, I grew up with a lot of women in my family and a strong female presence in my life. And I took that with me. But, you know, when I was working on Supergirl, it gave me the opportunity to talk to a lot of women comic book fans. Mm-hmm. I saw what they were looking for at the time. There's a lot more of it now. Thankfully, you know, you're, 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 you know, you're seeing a lot more you know, strong, positive female characters coming to the fore. And even, you know, some of the more well-known superhero characters from Marvel and DC, when they're translated to cartoons, for example, you're starting to see a more rounded version of that character as opposed to the more cheesecakey mm-hmm. grown-up version that you would see in your average monthly comic book, for example. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's been heartening, but at the time when I created Molly, Molly was a reaction to what I wasn't seeing on the stands. Mm -hmm. And that influenced me, you know, having spent two years trying to help mold and craft the vision that Sterling and I had for Supergirl, which was to present her as just this normal teenage girl who just happened to have superpowers mm-hmm. and was suddenly thrust into the quote unquote family business because <laughs> her cousin is the most powerful superhero on the planet. Mm-hmm. So, and that was our take on Supergirl. So a lot of that, you know, went into my thinking when I started writing uh, the outline for Molly Danger. Mm-hmm. Now, if you were to pick a song, uh, you know, thinking about Molly Danger or her uh, real life counterpart in the sense that she was an inspiration, your daughter. Right. What song would you pick? <laughs> you know what? I I always go back to uh, and it's it's weird that I always think about this song. Uh, you know, the song Play With Me by Extreme. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's. Whenever I think of Molly, that's the song that that jumps into my head immediately. Well then, do us a favor, intro the song then. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is one of my favorite songs. This is the unofficial Molly Danger theme song. It is Play With Me by Extreme. band. One of the things that I really like about Molly Danger was the fact that it's a voice that for a long time in comics wasn't really heard, right? Mm -hmm. Especially for a teenage girl, right? right? Because usually if you had, for example, 
if you've got Batman, you can have a Batgirl. If you've got Superman, you can have a Supergirl. And there's good and bad to that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, for example, there's no Wonder Boy from Wonder Woman yet, right? Right. You would think that they would do that just to have fun with that dynamic. But, you know, it's, it's just so cool that you were able to do that. Now, I've mentioned something about your social media presence. And I'm looking at a picture of you with your daughter right now. Right. But you were a bit more, shall we say, rotund and chunky. You went from chunk to hunk. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> now, I, too, am guilty of being rotund and chunky. And I've yes. been doing uh, keto this year and right. uh, working out a bit, you know, a, as little as possible. But little, enough to say that I've done it. But right. you are a complete inspiration. I mean, if if I were to post in a before and after picture of you, it would be amazing because you look like the older brother who's kind of chubby and then the younger brother who's like buff. And <laughs> how did this happen? Well, you know, speaking of Katie... What had happened, like before that, for years, you know, I'd go to my doctor and he'd be like, you know, you got to lose weight. You got to lose weight. And I would, yo, I would be on diets forever. I would yo-yo. I'd, mm-hmm. I'd lose 30 pounds. I'd gain it back. I'd lose 20 pounds. I'd gain it back. I'd For a few years, I was floating between 275 and then at my heaviest, I was 350. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, I'd lose it. I'd gain it back. I'd lose it. It, it just became this cycle. And I almost kind of gave up after a while. And then I was at my daughter's sixth birthday party and I'm watching her run around. This is four years ago. I'm watching her run around in the park with her friends. And this light bulb went off in my head. And I was just like, oh, my God, if I don't do something, I'm going to die. Mm. And, and. That was, I was, I had, I was pre-hypertensive, pre-diabetic. I was on blood pressure medication, you know, and I especially wanted to get off the blood pressure medication because that stuff, once you get on it, you can't get off normally. Right, like right. They, they, there's no weaning, weaning you off. Mm-hmm. So I basically, what I did was first I started, I started with the diet first and the, the first couple of weeks, I was doing Atkins, and then I went to my my GP, and he was just like, you know what, Atkins is too hard. Why don't you try doing Weight Watchers? And I'd done Weight Watchers before, but I didn't like going to meetings. I didn't like standing on a scale. I didn't like any of that stuff. I didn't need to sit around in a circle and feel sorry for myself. Um, and I just I found an app. On the, the, the Apple store, it was, a, it was a very similar program to Weight Watchers, but it was a tracking app. So I started using that app, and then I started just walking, you know, which was something when you're a comic book artist and you're sitting on your butt for you know, 12, 14 hours a day, you kind of get stuck in that cycle of not moving. Right. So I started walking and I would get up. I would force myself to get up in the morning, get up at five o'clock in the morning. And I live very close to a, a park here in Brooklyn. And I just walked around the park. And then little by little, after a couple of weeks, I started trying to, to jog a little bit, you know, jog a little, walk a little, jog a little, mm-hmm. walk. And I kept that going. And I stuck, and I did the one thing 
that I'd never done before, which was I actually stuck to the diet. Mm. I did, you know, it's like once. It's amazing what happens when you do that. Yeah, I know. It's weird. (laughs) Follow instructions, put tab A into tab B. Things happen. (laughs) No, but, but seriously, it's like, because I didn't get happy. You know Mm. what I mean? Like I didn't lose the 30 pounds that I usually lose. Like, okay, I give up. I don't have to do this anymore. I, once I lost that 30 pounds, I was just like, let me see how much further I can go. Mm-hmm. So I just, I stuck to it. And then after a while, like I, you know, I got my endurance up and I started running and I, I was, I, I got crazy with the running for a while. At one point I was running like five, six days a week, mm-hmm. like four miles, five, five days a week, which is mm-hmm. just, it's insane. You can't, I'm 46 years old. I can't do that. So, but I still run a couple of days a week just, you know, just to keep the, my hips and knees from completely collapsing on me. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so I was, so I, I did that. I kept that going and the, I, it took a year and I lost a hundred pounds. Congratulations. I lost a hundred pounds over the course of a year. And then I stayed on that program for another six, about another six months and ended up losing another almost 40 pounds. And that was a little bit too much that, the, that I had gone a little bit too far. <laughs> at that point. So what you had to learn is the thing that anyone who's really successful long-term is this thing called balance. Exactly. You know, because there's a certain point after a while where you have to start eating normal food again mm-hmm. and you have to figure out how to make the, the diet and the exercise work for you in a way that it isn't detrimental on, on either end. And I think I've, I've finally found that balance, you know, and then I decided that I was going to start lifting weights. So that's a completely different, like, yeah. So I've been like, lifting weights for like the last three years fantastic job seriously now we mentioned about women in comics i saw a great pinup that you did of faith yeah yeah i i like faith i like faith as a character i I love faith as a character too before we lose people let's explain who faith is uh faith is a book printed by valiant another smaller comic company but one that's up and coming and uh she's the first Plus size superhero. Plus size superhero. And 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 yes, and proudly plus sized. Mm-hmm. But I love the way you draw her. If there's ever a book I want you to do someday, I want you to do that book. Uh, you, oh, thanks. And and I think that there's some sensitivity in how you draw her, because you were, like I said earlier, a chunk like me, right? Yeah. So so we've been chunks, and yeah. uh, and uh, but I just love the fact that comics have now opened up to where we have this plus-size woman who's a superhero, and we've got Molly, who's a 10-year-old mm-hmm. superhero. So things have definitely kind of changed. It's not just a boys' club anymore. Oh, no, absolutely. And you don't have to look like Model X, Model whatever, you know, so that's cool. Now, let me ask you this weird question before we move on to another subject. Mm-hmm. What's it like seeing cosplay of Molly Danger? It's a trip. <laughs> it's it, it's 
it's satisfying and at the same time it it's very very humbling because someone took the time and energy and expense to make a a a version of something that you created and it's always like it's it's i immediately have to run up and take a picture with whoever you know it's it's Hopefully you know I've, they know who you are yes exactly <laughs> but you know i've had you know over the years i've had people make costumes of my version of supergirl or they've done you know jason rush firestorm or they've done molly or they've done you know any other character that i've designed and it's always i you know I think it's a wonderful thing. I love cosplay from the standpoint that it gives people an an opportunity to participate in something that they love on more than just a a transaction level. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Instead of just buying a book or watching something, you can be it, right? Like exactly. Rocky Horror, you know? Oh, yeah, Don't absolutely. dream it, be it, be right? It. Absolutely. And it was one thing when I was like uh, four to strap a towel around my neck and go on my swing set or whatever or go climb a tree or go out on the back porch or whatever. Right. You can do that now as an adult. Nobody thinks anything of it. You know what's weird? Cosplay for science fiction or, you know, I'm a big fan of the rock group KISS, right? So, like, if you dress up as a member of KISS and go to, like, Walmart, people are going to think that's very weird, right? Right. But there are people walking around in football jerseys all the time and nobody looks at them weirdly or, a you know, baseball jersey or... Have you seen these NASCAR jackets where there is literally all the sponsors? There was a guy that I used to see on my way to work every morning. He would go get a cup of coffee to start his day. And every day he would wear this complete NASCAR outfit, like the hat, (laughs) the jacket with all the sponsors on it. Uh, And it's if I would just show up to get my morning coffee in a Starfleet uniform, people would be like, "Eh, that weird guy that comes in and gets coffee every morning. But if it's sports, it's okay. If it's comic or fan, something fan related, science fiction or something, it's different. Listen, you you are hitting on one of my my hot button issues, mm-hmm. which is the idea that just because it's not something you're personally into, it's not viable. Everybody's nerdy about something. Absolutely. Everybody's everybody's. There is no difference from somebody who has memorized every football stat since Super Bowl one, as there is to the guy who knows everything about the X-Men mm-hmm. or the girl who knows everything about Star Trek or the Game of Thrones or, or Gone with the Wind or anything. Ex- exactly. You know, you're an Elvis fan, you're a Kiss fan, you're a you know, Game of Thrones fan, you're you know, a Battlestar Galactica fan, you're a fan of the the Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, you're a fan of curling, you know, you know who all the curlers are, you know, you are no better than I am. Now, are you talking about the ones I wear in my hair, the curlers in my hair? Because I did name them all. (laughs) I, I painted little faces on them, and no, that's that's not. They all have little brooms, and yes. The 2019 curling team, right? So, 
anyway, sorry to get off on my silly thing. But uh, one of the things I love about your social media presence is what you just talked about. You're very empowering to people. I hope that's that's flattering. I I just feel like I'm just being me. You know, nothing wrong or, with that. For good or for ill, you know, I just, you know, it's it's the way that I was raised. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you know, I was always taught that we have to stand up for the least of us, and we have to speak out for the things that we believe in. You know, my mother's a lay minister. My mother's very opinionated, otherwise. But you know, she, she you know, I have an uncle who is a a minister in Baltimore. You know, it's mm-hmm. just the way that our family is. You know, we're right. you know loud opinionated people and you know as i like to uh to say to people occasionally when when they get upset by something that i say is i am a i am an uppity stuck up good night bubba (laughs) i am a judgmental uppity stuck up prick and proud of it well, is that on your business card? It, it, there's not enough room. Oh. <laughs> now, um, I asked you to pick some of your favorite music throughout your life. What's one of your favorite songs of all time that, that you absolutely love, a band that you absolutely love, something maybe from your youth or something that inspired you? Well, here's the thing. And, you know, timely as it is right now, you know, with the Oscars and everything, but I have been a huge queen fan since I was eight years old. Mm -hmm. The game was my first queen album ever. And I absolutely adore Freddie Mercury. I cried like a baby when I found out he died. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I still have, you know, I, I still have the live aid concert on videotape like i never got the tdd i just have the original tape um so we you need know, to do a kickstarter to get that for you yeah all right um so the well you know the here's the thing is the first queen song that i ever heard was another one by the dust now that's not my favorite queen song my and even like Bohemian Rhapsody isn't my favorite i love Bohemian Rhapsody was not my favorite queen song my favorite queen song is all dead mm from news of the world that's a chipper number yeah i know and it's you know it's one of the few songs that freddie doesn't sing lead on Mm -hmm. it's brian may's the lead so it's it's you know it's it's a haunting melody and i just love it 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 appeals to the the theater geek in me Mm -hmm. you know i think that's probably why i love it so much well introduce that thing oh absolutely ladies and gentlemen this is All Dead by Queen, featuring lead vocals by Dr. Brian May. Yeah. All right, take it away. Summer through every precious day. All dead, all dead, all dead. 
Yeah, everyone loves Queen. Now, you mentioned musical theater. Have you heard of Be More Chill? No, I haven't. What is that? Oh, you need to check it out. You need to okay. check it out. Right now, it seems like Queen is everybody's favorite band. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've had this is like their second sort of like reemergence into pop culture because, like, the, the first time, like, when I went to see, I went to see Wayne's World. Mm-hmm. And when they played Bohemian Rhapsody in Wayne's World, it's like, Suddenly, everybody's into Queen again. Like, I, <laughs> you know? Everything absolutely. is cyclical. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Now, one of the things I love about your pencils is you love to draw. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean you've never met a background or a crowd that you seem to have walked away from. Because you love to have surprised people <laughs> in your backgrounds all the time. Much to the chagrin of uh, my various anchors, including yeah. the long-suffering Juan Castro, they're like, "Couldn't there just be a shadow here?" Just... Oh, I've I've had I've had anchors call me up at home and threaten my life. <laughs> uh, I I once um, when I was doing a Iron Fist Wolverine miniseries at Marvel, there was a double-page spread which was the city of Tokyo surrounded by a giant wall. I remember it. And it's this two-page spread of, Tokyo, of an aerial shot of Tokyo. 
And people don't realize how hard it is to draw something like that. I'm a, I'm an artist myself, and yeah. uh, people don't realize how difficult that can be. You know, to them, it it seems like, well, if you're drawing a lamp, it should be the same as that wall, and that wall should be the same as that carpet. It depends on how uh, George Perez you want to get that carpet or how oh, Jack no, Kirby you want to get that machine, right? Uh, you can really get in-depth with stuff, and if you start drawing, uh, like you said, cityscapes... Each of those oh, buildings was designed by somebody different. Oh, no, absolutely. And you can uh, tell. You can tell the, the different uh, style. I think for me, I had it drilled into my head very early on, especially when I was first getting into the business, that you should embrace those things that you consider to be a weakness. Mm-hmm. And when I was younger, you know, drawing figures came fairly easy for me and I hated hated drawing backgrounds so once I started getting regular work I figured that was the that was one of those things that I really needed to sort of embrace if I was going to break out of the pack then that was going to be one of those things that I needed to get a handle on and when I'm working on any project, whether it's something that I've written for myself or I'm working on with someone else, you know, I take everything that a writer puts into a script and I take that as a challenge. And I tell my writers, whatever you can think of, you know, put it in there and I will try my level best to get it in there. And there's very few times when I've said no that it can't be done. And usually it's more of a storytelling issue as opposed to, you know, an element that needs to be put into a page. Very good. Now you have something new that you're working on that I really am digging. Uh, I love the concept. I love the execution of it. It is a fantastic new book called the wrong earth. Now, Again, we're talking to some people who may not know what the Silver Age is or mm-hmm. the Bronze Age or the dark and gritty age that we're in now or whatever. Right. But there is this time in comic books called the Silver Age. And this was when we had Batman and Robin. And like the worst thing the Joker wanted to do maybe was at worst poison the water supply, but they always <laughs> found a way to stop it. But Remember when bad guys just wanted sacks of money? Remember that? Like, you know, that was a thing that people just wanted money. Now, comics have become a darker place. And there's good and bad to that. Uh, I always akin it to, for example, uh, if you take horror in the hands of somebody who's like a surgeon and really gifted in storytelling, they can tell you a great story and not necessarily have to show you blood and guts, but then you take someone who's a hack, they'll come in and they'll make it blood and gore out the wazoo, cutting up eyeballs and just scaring the hell out of people any way they can. Cheap scares. And it's the difference between a surgeon and a hack, right? Right. So we have this book called The Wrong Earth, and it takes place in two different worlds. Now, to again we're speaking to those that are not necessarily comic book fans mm-hmm. imagine batman and robin from the 1966 tv show and the batman that you see at the theater that talks like this i'm batman 
and he's uh, taking pills for the pain and he has nightmares and he's just a tortured soul to where he can't speak sentences because everything's so grim and gritty and it's like <laughs> and he sounds like Scooby-Doo. <laughs> so these are the two worlds that we're kind of dealing with in the wrong earth in which we have a superhero and his sidekick in what is a much more innocent time on this earth. And then on this other earth parallel to it are the same exact people, but in this grim, gritty, dark, noir kind of world. Did I set that up? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, what are the characters names? Okay. So we have on earth alpha dragonfly man and his sidekick stinger. Now you can almost like da 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 da, right? Dragonfly <laughs> man and his sidekick Stinger. <laughs> and then on Earth Omega, which is our dark and gritty world, we have, as I lovingly like to refer to him, as the goddamn Dragonfly. Mm. Because Dragonfly man is hokey, but Dragonfly is hip. It, oh yeah, it's cool. It, it, it's hip. It's cool. It's you know, it's sinister. It's actually, it's very funny because. Um, when Tom, it's uh, the wrong earth is written by Tom Pyre, who is a longtime comic book writer and mm-hmm. editor, and has you know done some of pro- my favorite com- one of my favorite runs on Legion of Superheroes. He's the writer on a series called Our Man. He's you know just incredibly talented, and you know this was like a bucket list thing. But when uh, when Tom and I were hashing around ideas for who our lead was going to be. I was on vacation with my family visiting friends in Japan. And there is an abundance of dragonflies in Japan and not just, you know, the actual insects, but dragonflies are all over Japanese culture, particularly samurai culture. Dragonflies in 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 a Japanese mythology uh, represent nobility and honor and the, the warrior's path. But in European culture, dragonflies are considered monsters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're the emissaries of the devil. So an omen of death, actually. Yes, exactly. They, I think it's like the Netherlands. They're like the eye poker. Like mm-hmm. they, they, they poke out. They're supposed to be said to like poke out your eyes and everything. So that became sort of our our basis for both characters, you know, like the backstory of why they took on that particular moniker. So, you know, we were building everything around that idea. And uh, kudos to you. Not only are the, the script of the book written in two different styles, but you draw in two different styles. Like for example, the kudos to the colorist as well. Who's doing that? Uh, his name is Andy Troy, and he's a very talented colorist. He does a lot of work for Valiant as well. Mm-hmm. He's he's excellent because he's able to do something that's bright and bold, like the beginning of the old Batman TV show, right, with right. the pows and the bang, and, and you've got all this innocence. And then over here you've got this dark, grim, and gritty, broken-down, savage reality that we're mm-hmm. closer to, sadly. Or I think some people want us to be. Who knows? But right. the, you, you've got the two different schools of thought. And what is called the trade paperback is coming out, which right. is a collection of the first six issues. 
So if you're thinking about checking out the wrong earth, this is what you might want to check into if this is your first time buying a comic book or you're buying your first Molly Danger, your first wrong earth. You might want to get the trade collection. Mm -hmm. it, it's a, it, they're usually cheaper than buying the individual books, right? Right, absolutely. And it'll be available in, uh, in August. Yeah, so you definitely want to be checking that out, and we will be letting you know when that's happening. But uh, there's something going on with the characters, and I don't want to, like, tip over everything, but it seems like some of the people in the worlds are becoming aware of one another. Mm -hmm. I'll let you explain that. Okay. There are, yes, the, 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 there are... It's it's kind of hard to really get into without spoiling too much. But the, the basic conceit is that there are these magic mirrors that allow people to go from one dimension to another. And that's how our heroes end up on each other's relative to Earth. There is one character who realizes that Dragonfly Man isn't... The, the dragonfly man that they're dealing with in the series is not who he says he is. And nothing has really changed. He hasn't changed costumes. He hasn't even shaved. Just everybody treats him as if he's just the normal, the, the, the regular guy. And the same thing with dragonfly. So. so just imagine the tortured soul that Christian Bale's Batman was or Ben Affleck's Batman was. Being stuck in the 1966 TV show. Oh, yeah. Uh, the commissioner would call him and he'd go, yes, commissioner. You know, it would be <laughs> that kind of thing. And instead of, like, punching the Joker, they might break his arm. So there's some things going on, different methodologies, different... What, how would you put it? It's definitely... It's a different mindset. You know, you have one, one version of the character who is very much about you know civic duty and he has to deal with you know a world that is you know dark and and not going to play by the rules because no. he's he's like truth justice american way kind of the old school right and, he, and, and he's a... now having to deal with people that would shoot you just to do it oh yeah absolutely but not just that he's got to deal with a with you know, bent cops and, you know, and criminals who are remorseless. And he's trying to keep that upper, that stiff upper lip. And meanwhile, like you were saying, you have Dragonfly who ends up on Earth Alpha and he's got to fight guys like Chef Escargot and the Toreador. <laughs> <laughs> and, and those are kind of based on like, for example, as surreal and bizarre as some of the like bookworm from the old oh, Batman absolutely. TV shows or Egghead. There's, like, it's very just much. imagine that, folks. So yeah, no, there's a there's a character, there's a a villain called Triviac, who's a trivia-based villain who wears a a cape and a mortarboard with a a red and green costume with a giant light bulb on it. I mean, <laughs> so it is as silly and it is as grim and gritty as a person could want. I'm telling you that someone of a fan of comics since. I basically discovered what they were. I've been through the uh, Golden Age, Silver Age, Bronze Age, Modern Age, whatever we're calling it this week, the Digital Age. Right. But I love all of these, and I see the hope 
that I would see in books like Legion of Superheroes or the old Batman and, and Superman and stuff like that. And I also see everything that you'd want to see in the more modern comics. And it's great to see these two worlds right now tugging at one another. So you guys are doing really well with this back and forth and you're managing it very well. I'm, I cannot wait to get this graphic novel in my hand. So thank you. Thank you. Again, the name of that book is the wrong earth and there are six issues out or going to be six issues out, but for the sake of this recording, there are six issues out that you should Mm. pick up or wait for the collected trade paperback. And you've got Grant Morrison. He's doing what, Grant Morrison wrote a prose story that's going to be uh, collected in the trade, the the trade paperback. Uh, just to uh, just to fill you guys in, uh, the Wrong Earth is published by a brand new pop, comic book company called Ahoy Comics, and what mm-hmm. they do is they do forty page comic magazines. So you have an original story in each issue, and each issue has a backup story as well as, and it also has prose material. So you have prose material. By Grant Morrison, Carol Lay, Hart Seeley. You have uh, backup stories written by Paul Constant and drawn by Gary Erskine and by uh, Tom Feister. And it's just it's going to be chock full of material. So so you're not just doing this comic. You're building an entire two universes. Right. So you're not getting just one world, you're not getting one universe, you're getting two. So seriously, check this out, it's from Ahoy Comics. You will love it. If you love comic books, this is one to check out. Just excellent work. Just, just you. love your work. And we're going to do a couple lightning round things. Uh, if I were to walk by your studio at any given time, what will I hear? Probably a political podcast. <laughs> really that's 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 your thing is what that's other my... what other podcasts do you listen to um well i listen to like the michael mara show or mm-hmm. i'll listen to like uh the the jim ross podcast wrestling podcast mm-hmm. or i'll i usually listen there's a sh- uh radio show out in la called the kevin and bean show that i that I'll listen to but most of the time when i'm home working like i'm listening to like you know, left-wing politics. <laughs> mm-hmm. We just saw Kiss in Memphis this last weekend, and we got in an elevator, and there was Jerry the King Lawler. Oh, wow. I said, hi, Jerry, and he looked at me like, uh, don't don't blow my cover, man. You know, you could tell he was like, let's not make a thing here. Right. And I introduced him to everybody in the elevator that was with me, and I said, you know, you may be the champ, but I wrestle with reality every day. <laughs> he got a chuckle out of that. Oh yeah, I was about to say. I'm sure. I'm sure he he got a kick out of that. But I, I didn't blow his cover, right? So, yeah, uh, that was cool. So I asked you to tell us what you dig in pop culture. Like, what are your favorite three TV shows of all time? Of all, ooh, oh my god! Or you uh, can pick this year or whatever, whatever you want to do. No, I'm, okay. Ooh, uh, well, all right. Currently, like my big three at the moment is I'm I'm watching Star Trek Discovery. I'm also watching The Expanse. On uh, I'm catching up on The Expanse because because uh, it was on Sci-Fi and we don't have cable, but I've got Amazon, so I'm 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 watching the, and I'm really getting. I watched the first season already. I'm I'm watching season two right now. 
My wife and I just finished watching the Umbrella Academy, which was fantastic. Just really, really excellent. So that's that's like the the three right now. If the the all time list. There's just like too many shows, like all time shows. So, well, you hit on some things that I love. I love Gerard Way and mm. My Chemical Romance and Umbrella Academy. If you're a fan of his stuff or a fan of his work on, like for example, the Doom Patrol or any mm-hmm. of that stuff, you should check that out for sure. Really loving Star Trek Discovery this year. Yeah, no, I was a big fan of the first season, but I feel like they found their footing now. And it, I'm at, like, you know, they just announced today that they it's been renewed for season three. Mm-hmm. So that makes me very, very happy. Right. Hopefully they won't wait like another year <laughs> like they did with the last. Right. I've actually turned a bit of into a Star Trek geek again because of Discovery. It went from a show that like, I don't think I could dig this at all. You know, especially right. the first the first time we see the Klingons and they're talking like they got peanut butter in their mouth. <laughs> and it's like, would you please spit that out and talk? Just whatever you're doing. But it seemed like the first uh, part of season one is like a prequel. Right. Absolutely. And then not to give anything away, but it, once you get into it, it's like, okay. But by the, the end of the last episode of season one, we've reached Starfleet, right? Right. We've reached that better place, or at least we're trying to get there. They have a, they, their, their compass is set because there's that great speech that is given about this is what we are. And then season two kicks off and I am just loving it. Like nobody's business. I'm a huge Doug Jones Saru fan. Oh yeah. Just amazing. It's it's I you know, I just watched the most recent episode and the turn that they've made in his character, mm-hmm. you know, without giving any spoilers away. It's just it's fascinating. And my wife sort of called it, you know, just the how the, the episode sort of went. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? So it's it's hard to talk about this stuff without spoiling without it. Without spoiling it. Well, yeah. let me ask you this. Orville, Discovery, do you have a preference? Do you like them both? What's the deal? I have not. I've watched maybe an, one episode of the Orville. I can't get into it. I'll tell you. I want to have you check it out some more because <laughs> once you get into it's it's almost like you go, okay, this is a Seth MacFarlane joint, right? Right. Once you get past just, okay, is this supposed to be funny? Is this supposed to be serious? Once they get into some actual character development, it's like, mm-hmm. okay. But they still dive into, like, looking at the camera, like, okay, this is a joke, you know. Right, right, right. And there's a character called Dan that I absolutely love. And mm-hmm. all I'll say is, pancakes? I love pancakes. <laughs> so we'll just leave it at that. Okay. But, and I, I'm interested in the expanse. I, I, I'm very interested in the expanse. I actually, they had a sale on it digitally, for like, uh, I think it was fifteen dollars for the entire shooting match. So mm-hmm. I snagged every bit of it. So I'm definitely gonna be checking that stuff out. Top three albums of all time. Top three albums of all time. Uh, I already mentioned Queen the Game. Uh, Purple Rain. And Metallica's Black Album. Mm, excellent choices. You know, the weird thing about Purple Rain is everybody says that that's the soundtrack album, right? 
Right. It's not really a soundtrack album because no. you don't have the Times two songs. You don't have uh, Modern Air on there. You don't have Apollonia 6. I, right. Just think, if, if they wanted to, they could next year put in a soundtrack out for that album, and you'd buy it again. Yeah, but I don't think they're going to do that. I think, you know, yeah. the... The rights issues are just too complicated at yeah. this point. Which is sad because we may never get a Vanity 6 real good, you know, release that's, that's supposed to be because it's what's out there now is sadly, well, it's not available digitally, for example. Mm-hmm. No, but the, the, that's true. And the, the funny part about it is like, you know, Purple Rain came out in what, 84? Four, mm-hmm. so I was too young to see the movie. I only knew about Prince because my babysitter's daughter Lisa was a huge Prince fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like it was, you know, whenever we were over at the house, it was either Prince or Menudo. So <laughs> you were you were like, please be Prince, please be yes, Prince. exactly. <laughs> all right, so let's go to movies. Your top three movies of all time. Top three movies of yeah. all time. Uh, Superman the movie, The Big Sleep. And it's a toss-up between Logan's Run and Soylent Green. Mm. You like those 70s... Uh, you know, there was some things in the 70s that was going on. You had everything from martial arts films to disaster movies. But then you had these doomsday films like... Uh, you know, you had everything, and that encompassed everything from Planet of the Apes to Omega Man, which is mm-hmm. a great movie. It is, it is a great one. Also, Rollerball, which is also yeah, a, that could was, fit in that thing. Oh yeah, no, the, any the, like that whole like seventies dystopian future, you know, like just before, like just before Star Wars really mm-hmm. sort of changed the whole zeitgeist mm-hmm. of science fiction at that point. You know, you had stuff like Zardoz, you know? which I, no one should ever watch because it's Sean Sean Connery in a uh, in a thong, basically. Yeah. He's running around like Borat with that <laughs> that hammock thing. But uh, so so those are some three good movies there. Now I don't want to take up a lot of your time, but this is the year of Captain Marvel, whatever right. that means to you. By that I mean a lot of people are divided because there's to make a long story. A very long story, very short. There was Captain Marvel, what most of us grew up with, and that was the guy in the red suit who was Billy Batson, said Mm -hmm. the magic word Shazam, and he became Captain Marvel. Well, Marvel Comics wound up getting the rights to the name Marvel or Captain Marvel, and in a lapse of copyright, they printed a story with Captain Marvel and wound up owning the rights to it because DC tried to take them to court and they lost in court. And this is why we have something called Shazam coming out, which is Mm. basically the big red cheese if you grew up in the comic world. Or if you saw him on 70s and 80s television, it was Billy Batson who, when he said the magic word Shazam, turned into Captain Marvel. Well, from Marvel Comics, since comics now mean movies, we have Captain Marvel, which is the story of Carol Danvers, who is part of the Cree, and so we basically have what I'm calling the Battle of the Captain Marvels this summer coming to a theater near you. What are your quick thoughts on both of these things? And I'm going to give you two minutes. I'm going to set a timer, okay? Mm-hmm. So two minutes to talk about Captain Marvel. Ready? Okay. Are you starting now? Yep. Okay. 
So, what is my opinion? I'm going to see both movies because I'm a I'm I'm a fan of what they've been doing over with the Marvel movies, and I know Captain Marvel ties into Avengers Endgame, so it's going to be very important to see that. But I'm also a big DC fan, a lifelong DC fan, and Captain Marvel is one of my favorite heroes, and I want to see what they do with that movie as well. So I'm going to see Shazam. I'm going to see Captain Marvel. I'm going to enjoy both. I don't see the divide personally, but I'm just weird that way. I'm, I'm an equal opportunity guy when it comes to stuff like that. I didn't think I was going to like Aquaman, and I ended up loving it. So, there we go. <laughs> well, you only used 42 seconds. <laughs> well, I don't know what else I'm supposed to say about it. I mean, you know, it's. I think it's kind of silly that people feel like they have to have the, they have to make a choice over these kinds of things. But that goes back to the whole comic book thing as well. You know, it, there's it's in some people's heads, you know, it has to be one or the other. You don't have to do that. You know, the, one of the great things about life is we're full of choices. You know, we are, you know, we are overwhelmed with good material now. Take it all in. Take it as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but doesn't that cut into people's complaining time? Yeah, but you know. <laughs> people... <laughs> But you know when you but when you think about it, we've been trained. It's either Ford or Chevy, Coke or Pepsi, Marvel or DC. Right. But yeah, you can be anything now. So be whatever, like whatever, (laughs) taste whatever, do whatever. Right. Right. Absolutely. So uh, you've got another eight seconds, Jamal. Anything you want to say about Captain Marvel? Uh, Shazam! Bang! (laughs) There we go. Two minutes on Captain Marvel and choice. So. Yamal, I want to thank you for coming on Pop today and uh, just had a lot of fun hanging out with you and talking about the great Molly Danger, the great The Wrong Earth. And folks, if you haven't checked out comics for a very long time, you should maybe starting here is is a good place to start, right? Mm, It is absolutely a best place to start. Like I said, Molly Danger is my baby. So is The Wrong Earth. You know, I hope if you choose to pick them up, I hope you enjoy them. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for the Molly Danger movie and the Wrong Earth movie. So there you go. <laughs> and maybe, maybe just maybe, you'll put me in the background of one of your comics, and I can be like scared that a giant robot's going like, <laughs> to smash me or something. I, but, I uh, think that can be arranged. Oh, now I'll know I've actually made it. But I, I want to thank you for encouraging me along my health journey because oh. you've you've said very good things about me along the way, and so I just really want to thank you. It, it's very touching to my heart. Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome, man. No, I've been I've been seeing your progress. It's wonderful to see. And, you know, you got like I said, you got this, you know, you're doing what you need to do. You're 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 you know, don't let people pressure you. You know, that's the big thing. It's I we put so much pressure on ourselves when it comes to health and fitness that we have to look a certain way or feel a certain way. You know, there's you know. There's this thing, it's called healthy at any size, right? That's right. Like yeah. faith. It's ex- absolutely. Absolutely. As long, as long as you are taking care of yourself, as long as you are moving, it doesn't matter what size you are. Be comfortable in your own skin. Well, I can't think of a better place to leave it. Thank you for being on the show today, Jamal. And again, you can find Jamal Eigle on the social medias. You can find him at jamaleigle.com. And it has all the links to his Twitter account, Facebook, Instagram, and so on. Check him out. Jamal Yassim Eigel. 
So if you if it were a Steve Miller song, it'd be "Fly Like an Eagle." Basically, yeah. Let my spirit set me free. I'm gonna <laughs> fly like an eagle. <laughs> we'll see you, sir. Thank you very much for being on Pop today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, Ken. All right. Live long and prosper. Bye. You too. Bye bye. Bye. And that's our show. Pop is an online, nonprofit pop culture audio fanzine made for fans by fans. Any samples of music, TV, or movies heard here remain the property of their owners. Pop, a pop culture podcast, is not affiliated with any products we review or discuss. Opinions heard here belong to the people who express them and may not reflect the views of the pop staff. If you like something that you heard, buy it at your local record, video, or bookstores, or wherever pop is found. If you enjoy the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm your announcer, Christine Wolf, saying whatever you do, make sure it pops. Say goodnight, Dick. <laughs> Don't now. Now, really, everybody cool it, because I'm going to be able to get through this. Action. Hey, wow. It's a groovy button. What does it say? Love is the ultimate trip. Oh, gee, that's a nice thought. Gee, that's a neat button. What does it say? <laughs> Let's go again. Jamal Yassim Eigel. Fly like an eagle. Let my spirit set me free. <laughs> what are you watching? Oh no, my my wife is watching uh, uh, old episodes of Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> so if I hear someone say, "You call that a fucking risotto?" Yes, exactly. That's yeah. that's that's where that's coming from. Yeah.